Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life been gone for basically two months but we are back we are ready to rock and roll for free agency baby we got six days until the legal tampering period officially begins and that's even greater than the start of free agency march 16th it all kicks off the frenzy the new york jets money to spend players to add is this the year is this the general manager is this when we finally get it all right the stars align the new york jets put together the perfect team i say yes I say it's our time, and Joe Douglas is our freaking man. And I'm stoked. I'm always excited this time of year. Everybody laughs at me. Yeah, you're a Jets fan. This is your favorite time of year every year because it's all hypotheticals. You're just pretending, you know. Sure, whatever. But I'm going to ride it out because it feels good. I want to bring in some players. I want to spend some money. I want to make this roster legit. Build a wall for Sam Darnold. Add some playmakers. Get some defensive bodies in there. I mean, there's a ton of work to do. We got a lot of expiring contracts. We got a lot of money to spend. And it all basically kicks off in six days. So we are going to do the annual This is the Jet Life free agency primer. By the time this podcast is over, the goal is that you will know basically who we have on on the roster with some projections by me who's going to get cut, who's not going to be there. The positions that we really need to focus on, what's important, what's somewhat important, where do we just need some bodies, and then what free agents are available in those position groups, You know, what kind of money potentially, what kind of market are those players looking for. What are our options as New York Jets fans? And then going into the legal tampering period, we should have a pretty good idea of kind of what's at stake here, what the New York Jets need, and where they can look. Kind of help us track Joe Douglas's work, what he's focusing on. Because we've basically, we've seen none of his plan yet. We all have these ideas like, well, Joe Douglas, he was an offensive lineman. We know that he wants offensive linemen. We think that. We don't know that. It's probable. We don't know if he values a pass rusher over a corner. We don't know if he values big, long receivers for Sam Darnold or fast, speedy guys. I mean, Adam Gase has a say in all this stuff, but Joe Douglas, he's the guy that's going to be making all the roster moves with some input from Gase, I'm sure. But we haven't seen his plan yet, so it's all just speculation at this point. So when this free agency's, you know, underway, well underway, a week or so in, we're going to have a good feel for what he prioritizes, what he's looking for, and then potentially it'll give us a better look at the draft and, you know, where is he keeping some openings? What positions could he potentially be targeting? So all of that fun and so much more coming in this podcast episode. We are back. It feels amazing. But before we begin, I got to invite you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Any positive feedback or any feedback at all that you can offer is greatly appreciated. This podcast is part of Gangrene Nation. You can find it on their website, gangrenenation.com. You can also find it almost anywhere podcasts are found. Um, yeah, if you want to engage with me specifically, you can do it on the forums of Gangrene Nation or on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And that's where, you know, I've been gone off the podcast for basically two months, but I've been posting regularly random thoughts about free agency, the draft, prospects, anything I've been seeing going on, Jets related. It's on there. And, uh, Yeah, so I really appreciate it. Now we can get into this podcast. And the goal of this podcast, as I mentioned, is basically just to go through the positions that we need, go through the players that are available. I'm going to do a father time that is free agency related from my dad from this week. We're going to do a what's on tap real quick. 
And I want to leave us in a place where we feel comfortable going into Monday when all of the frenzy and chaos starts happening at 12 p.m. and names are flying off the board and this and that. So we can kind of just keep up with what's going on. What are we looking for? Who are our targets? And, you know, what, what's going on with this team? So that's the goal of the free agency primer. Forewarning, this is going to be a very dry podcast episode. We're going to be going through a lot of positions. We're going to be rattling off a lot of names. If you can't keep up, it's perfectly fine. It's just to kind of get you familiar with some of the names as you hear them coming. Like, oh, yeah, all right, that makes sense. I heard about this guy, whatever. Um, Some of it's going to be projections from me. I do project some players that are going to be on or off the roster. It's just kind of what you have to do to expedite this process. So just take my word for it. I didn't put the Jets in harm's way. You may not agree with everything. That's perfectly fine. I actually implore everyone to have their own, you know, if you feel like I'm completely off base with something, send me a message. Say, Dan, that doesn't make any sense, and maybe you'll convince me. I mean, I've gone so many different ways on this thing. I've looked through free agency. I've looked through the draft. I've done mock off-seasons over and over, and there's a million different ways you can cut this thing. There's not one approach that works. There's just... You know, what I think in my vision, I watched the Jets for a long time. I have a ton of opinions on this team, and I have a vision for what I think makes sense for them. It doesn't necessarily go in line with Joe Douglas, but I'll put it all on paper here, put it all out in the podcast, and we'll see when it does come, push comes to shove. Am I and Joe Douglas on the same page, or are we just two totally separate animals building two totally different teams? Either way is fine as long as we win. I'm fine being wrong. All right, so I've mentioned a few times legal tampering period. I want to just explain the difference between legal tampering and free agency. Free agency begins on March 18th, Wednesday of next week. That is the day that any player who has an expiring contract is truly a free agent. They're currently under contract right now. When March 18th hits, boom, that's the date that the contract ends and they become a free agent, free to sign anywhere in the NFL. Now, for the most part, these players are unrestricted free agents, which means they're truly free. And those are the players that I'm, for the most part, going to focus on in this episode. You do also have exclusive rights free agents, restricted free agents, and this basically just adds other barriers that make it more difficult to sign a player and give a team that had that player more rights to getting them back on their roster. Unrestricted free agents, which is the majority of these, perfectly free to sign anywhere. So when March 18th comes, they can sign on paper, all right, I'm not a Jet anymore, I want to sign with X team. Sure. The legal tampering period begins Monday, two days before, at 12 p.m., and that's where any team, player, agent, coach can start talking to players, and they can start having conversations saying, hey, do you want to play for us for this amount of money? You can actually start making contracts. You just can't sign anything. It gives you a two-day window to try to catch up just in case there's been any teams doing backdoor dealings, secret sneaky sly stuff at the NFL Combine, at the Pro Bowl, in the circles that they're all, you know, they're all part of the same network and they see each other everywhere. There's a very good chance there are some secret conversations happening and players, you know, agreeing in terms to deals with this team, X team, whatever. But it gives you a chance in a window. You can't truly sign and now you legally can talk to them. So in case there was some shady stuff going on, you at least get two days to make a phone call to an agent, to a player, and say, hey, before you sign anything, this is what we think. We actually saw it with Anthony Barr last year. The New York Jets, in the legal tampering period, agreed in terms to a contract with him. He was ready to come here for like $15 to $17 million. He ended up going back to Minnesota before he signed. He never put pen to paper. For the most part, 90 to 95% of the contracts that are agreed upon in the legal tampering period go through. But there are a few every single year that's like, we thought he was going here, he changed his mind, he got cold feet, or something along those lines. But the legal tampering period, Monday, 12 p.m., is when you will hear 
all these free agents that we've been talking about forever, thinking about, they're going to start agreeing in terms. And when we hear somebody agreeing in terms, we basically take it for its word and we expect it to come true. So it's going to get crazy. Even though they say free agency begins Wednesday the 18th, it really truly begins Monday the 16th. So don't miss it. Keep up on your phone. The best follows you can possibly have, Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. Those two guys are on top of it. And if you're looking for more information, I can't recommend a website more highly than Roto World. They're extremely up to date on everything that's going on with every team. And during the free agency period, you're going to find a long list of everything that's going on there. So if you want to recap, like what have the Jets done? What have other teams done? Every single move, little transaction, picking up players, future deals, little extensions and stuff like that, suspensions, it's all on Roto World. You can go to teams, pick the Jets, and a lot of information is there. But we're going to be tracking this stuff like Hawks, and it's going to be extremely exciting because like we said, the Jets are like top 10, maybe top 5 in cap space again this year. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for players to come to the Jets. And, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but we had so many injuries last year that we got so unlucky. It was a first-year head coach. It was a general manager who was like, you're talking first year? He came in after the draft. It was like a half a year for him. We have all these new moving pieces and stuff, new defensive coordinator, basically a brand-new team, and all of that bad luck struck. And we still went on a bit of a winning streak at the end of the season and started looking all right. So there's plenty of reasons for me to think that the team itself was on the up. We're already starting off in a better place because we have guys like C.J. Mosley back out there. We've got some pretty good draft picks, and we got money to spend to make this roster better. And as long as we trust in Joe Douglas, as long as he makes good picks, smart plays, we're going to be just fine. So let's talk about some of the things that he could possibly do. I'm going to go position by position, and I'm going to talk about who we currently have under contract, and then who I project to be on the roster when push comes to shove. When I have my projected player on the roster, given the amount of players that we usually have at each position, we'll decide, you know, are we missing a starter, are we missing a backup, or are we missing just a body on the roster? And then when we're left with these gaps in the roster, we're going to decide which one of those are urgent, which are pretty important, and which are just bodies for the team. And then we're going to focus on the guys that are urgent and the guys that are pretty important. We're going to talk about some possible prospects in free agency that the New York Jets can go after the type of money, perhaps, or the market that these guys will be looking for. So let's get into it, starting with the quarterback position. And this is a really easy one to start with because we all know that Sam Darnold is our week one starting quarterback. Hopefully no injuries, no mono, no sicknesses this year. 16 games from Sam Darnold. But we saw the first season he missed three games, the second season he missed three games. We had to play backups. Who did the Jets have on the roster aside from Sam Darnold? Luke Falk's gone. Trevor Simeon's gone. We've got a guy named Mike White, who's never played an NFL down yet, but was pretty solid in college and was kind of an unrestricted uh, or an undrafted free agent name that you heard. Um, He's probably not going to make the roster. Right now, I would say Sam Darnold, number one. We have the option, Mike White, if we want him. But backup quarterback and third string quarterback are available. The Jets are not going to invest a lot of money in a third string quarterback. They may not even carry one. It might be a guy like Mike White. But that number two spot... That's pretty important. It's not going to be an urgent need because we have Sam Darnold there, but we do need to get a pretty good backup. We saw what happened when Trevor Simeon was in. He looked horrible for a half. He got injured for the season. Luke Falk came in and looked about as bad as it gets. And we don't want to get in that position again. I mean, the Jets actually, believe it or not, were somewhat close to making the playoffs last year with as bad of a season as it was. 
they were kind of in the running if they won another game or two. And if Luke Falk was maybe a little better at his job, maybe we could have beaten the Eagles. Maybe we could have beaten the Browns. So some names that we could be looking at here. Some of the big name quarterback free agents. Now, some of these names sound expensive, but when you think about the free agents that we're not going to be going after, guys like, you know, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston, these guys are going to be a lot of money. You're going to hear some pretty good names that aren't even going to be vying for starting jobs. There are just going to be some guaranteed backups. There's only 32 teams. The NFL's got probably more good quality starting quarterbacks than it's had in my entire lifetime. So the backups are better than they've ever been. And even though the names sound like in another year, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who's my number one free agent there, would probably be worth, you know, $15 million or something. In this market, it may be less than that. Depending on what teams need, where the holes are and where the injuries are. I mean, some of these guys are going to be in a little bit of trouble. So my list of like really good backup quarterbacks are Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, Taysom Hill, and Josh McCown. Josh McCown's probably the worst of that group, but he's got a rapport with Sam Darnold. He's a very good coach. He's not horrible at playing, and I think that what he does for Sam Darnold off the field is almost worth the the gap differential between him and a, a better backup on the field, especially considering we only expect him to play you know, one to three games this year. Now, the other guys, we don't want to break the bank for a guy like Bridgewater, Mariota, right? Taysom Hill, because he's kind of an exciting young name. We don't want to break the bank for a guy like that because we don't expect him to play. And in reality, if Sam Darnold gets injured for an extended period of time, the season's probably lost. But we don't want to lose games if we have to have somebody fill in for a few weeks. So you want to find that middle ground of like, not too expensive of a contract, but doable, and a guy that can play good minutes. I think a guy like Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, Josh McCown would be great. If you can't get one of them, or those guys for some reason are demanding too much money because, say, backups this year are just getting way overpaid, you can look at guys like Nate Sudfeld, Chase Daniel, Chad Henney, Colt McCoy, Matt Moore, Blaine Gabbert, and, if we have to, Mike Lennon or Trevor Simeon. But the main point to bring out of this position is that we need a backup quarterback and we don't want to overspend. Sam Darnold is our head and heel number one quarterback. There's no camp competition going in. We're taking truly a backup. Somebody that's solid, not going to break the bank, but we do need this position. We don't have him on the roster right now. So somebody's coming in and hopefully it's going to be a person that can help him develop, help him grow, is comfortable in that backup quarterback position. You probably don't want a guy like Marcus Mariota there, to be honest, because if Sam Darnold starts to struggle after a couple weeks, people are like, oh, put in Marcus, put in Marcus, and then all of a sudden you've deflated the confidence of Sam Darnold, and who knows what you could do. You know, irreversible damage. We don't want anything like that. But it is a position. Quarterback number two is pretty important. Watch Joe Douglas, and let's see how he handles that one. Running back. We have some availability at the running back position right now. Le'Veon Bell is number one running back. I don't care about the rumors of Le'Veon Bell leaving, being out of shape. He's not going to be here. Jets are going to trade him. I'm not buying any of it. Le'Veon Bell is the New York Jets number one running back, and he by far will get the most carries of any running back on this roster. That being said, Ty Montgomery's gone. Bilal Powell's gone. The only guys we really have on the roster, Trenton Cannon, Josh Adams, Kenneth Dixon. Kenneth Dixon, we'll count him out. 
Josh Adams, if we need a body, if we're going to carry four, he could potentially be there. Trenton Cannon, can he have a good preseason? Can he play well on special teams and win a spot? Perhaps he could be that number three guy. Number two, where Ty Montgomery and Bilal Powell split last year, that's wide open. Now, Ty Montgomery and Bilal Powell are absolutely possibilities for that spot. But some other guys the New York Jets could be looking at. If they want a nice receiving back, Chris Thompson's there from the Washington Redskins. Carlos Hyde's a decent player. Kenyon Drake, he probably won't come back with Adam Gase, but he's a good player. Spencer Ware, we've seen him, you know, have some pretty good moments off the bench. Isaiah Crowell, remember that guy? He's a free agent. Now, when we had him, it was Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell is basically your one-two punch. This would be Le'Veon Bell and Isaiah Crowell, so it would be a little bit of a different animal. I mean, Crowell was not a great number one running back. Definitely not, but he did break some big plays. He, you know, he was like inconsistent, but every once in a while would just break a big one. And if you have him as your number two running back, I think it's doable. Another receiving back, Theo Riddick. And then a guy, CJ Procise from the Seattle Seahawks. Now, all these guys are possible. And we have to keep in mind, the New York Jets have, you know, a handful of draft picks that are going to be making this roster and playing good minutes for them. It's very possible they end up drafting a running back, but we can't speak in hypotheticals. Be like, well, we're not even going to look at running backs because we're going to draft that position. We still have to have, you know, a plan just in case maybe we don't. You can't really go into the draft with huge holes on your team and just say, oh, we'll find him in the draft. Don't worry. Well, what if the first 15 picks are running backs? And it's just horrible guys after that that are available. You're really going to make sure you have to get one? I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what's going to happen in the draft or anything like that. So we're going to have our plans in place here. I think Bilal Powell and Ty Montgomery could easily come back. Um, perhaps you can get them on a team-friendly deal. You don't want to break the bank at this position again because it's not urgent. This position, number two running back I have listed, is pretty important. You can count number three in that as well because the Jets usually will run more than one, and running backs are a position that take a lot of damage, so it's potential they'll miss some games. Behind Le'Veon Bell, you want to have some good output. You don't need to spend a ton because you're already spending $13 million on Le'Veon Bell. So what can we do in that 2 3 $4 million range? If you can get a guy like Spencer Ware, Carlos Hyde, you know, Powell Montgomery, even Isaiah Crowell, I think you're doing pretty well. And if you really decide that you want to get playmakers for Sam Darnold and maybe you're not getting the wide receivers that you want or something, you want to break the bank a little bit more on a Kenyon Drake or a Chris Thompson, you know, I understand. Chris Thompson is a weapon. and He can receive out of the backfield and... Uh, He's a guy that would make the Jets a little bit more dangerous on offense. So you can't blame Joe Douglas who makes a move like that. Definitely got to keep our eyes on. So running back, pretty important for us to address that backup running back, and maybe even that number three running back position. Let's move over to wide receiver. This is a position that has all sorts of opinions floating around in the Jets world. The New York Jets currently don't have Robbie Anderson as a wide receiver. The only receivers they really have on the roster are Jameson Crowder, Quincy Anunua, Braxton Berrios, Vincent Smith, newly acquired Josh Dotson, and Joshua Bellamy. Now, right away, I'm going to cut Josh Bellamy because I think he was a bad special teamer. He got injured. He dropped a really important pass last year, and he's not a very good receiver. So let's take Bezo right out of this thing. Josh Dotson, he's a player that has some upside. We'll bring him into camp, I'm sure, on the 90-man roster. And if he plays really well and turns some heads and stays healthy, it's possible he'll make it. But right now, I'm not counting on it. I think he'll be injured before the season even begins, so we'll say he's not there. Now, big play Vince, I'm going to hold on to him because I think he showed a little bit of life last year when the Jets were completely flat. I think that he is young. I think he's got some potential, a little bit of rapport with Sam Darnold. 
He tries hard, and you know what? You can't have six All-Stars. You have to have a worst receiver on your team. A sixth there potentially could be Vincent Smith, who could look into a developmental role and potentially move right back up the roster like he did last year. Braxton Berrios, I'm going to count him in right now because he was a good punt returner, and right now there's not another guy in the roster that I see being that punt returner. That being said, at any point they could sign X wide receiver that would be able to punt return or draft some guy, and then all of a sudden Berrios' job, not really so safe. He's there as a punt returner, and if you say, we have another guy to return punts, and you're basically putting Berrios as just a wide receiver, he loses a lot of his value. So he will keep him on the roster for now. The next guy, Quincy Anunua. I'm taking him off the roster. I don't think he's worth having. I think his contract is too big. I think the Jets can save like $2 million by cutting Quincy Anunua. And yeah, it's not a ton of money. But this guy has not proven to me that he can play a healthy season with the New York Jets. And even when he played last year, I was starting to say... It just looks like Quincy's slow, he can't get open, and I can't imagine after more injuries and missing another season that he's really going to come back and be faster and more dynamic and be able to get open more. Now, if he's completely healthy and Joe Douglas and Adam Gay say, I want to keep Quincy Nuno because he's a weapon, I'll understand it. Because when he plays healthy, he does a decent job. I just at this point, in this team with Sam Darnold and wanting to get better weapons for him, I don't know how many eggs I'm going to put in that basket. I wish that we hadn't given him the contract extension that we did. But we did. So, potentially we cut him, have a bunch of dead money, make a couple million dollars back, and get him off the roster. So I did cut him in my scenario. Jameson Crowder, he for sure is going to be here for another two years. The guy plays really well. He was worth his contract, and we're happy to have him. So that leaves at least two wide receiver positions, and probably your number one and number two. You're not going to put Vincent Smith there. You're not going to put Braxton Berrios there. I guess Vincent Smith could be there. Braxton Berrios could not. Quincy Nunwa, if he's on the roster, he could be your number two. Not ideal. So we're going to look for a one and two right now. Now, Robbie Anderson, he's the guy that comes to mind right away, right? He's probably the best deep threat wide receiver in free agency, and he's going to be demanding a lot of money. One, he's proven that he's got some upside, and there's not very many deep threats available at wide receiver in this free agency. But even more importantly than that, there are really no good wide receivers available in this free agency in any style. There just is a very thin group. Now, you're looking at it and you're saying, all right, there's barely any wide receivers. we got to break the bank to get the best guy. The best guys, Amari Cooper, Robbie Anderson, A.J. Green, maybe even Emmanuel Sanders for a couple of years. These are guys that could demand big contracts. So it's like, well, if there's nobody else good available, we got to spend a lot of money. The other side of it is this is probably the deepest wide receiver draft that I've ever seen, and there's going to be a lot of opportunities to get good young players in this draft. So maybe it's not quite as much as we thought. But either way, Robbie Anderson's looking anywhere from that 10 to $15 million a year range. I'm saying right now he's going to go somewhere at about 12.5, right in the middle. The New York Jets, I would take him for about 11 or $12 million a year on maybe like a three-year deal. But that might not necessarily be enough to win him over. It depends on what the rest of the uh, NFL is going to be offering him. Amari Cooper's our number one free agent there. He's going to be looking for like maybe $20 million. The Cowboys are going to do whatever they can to keep him. They want him with Dak Prescott in that offense. A.J. Green, he's a big name guy. He's getting older, he's over 30, and he's been injured a lot. That being said, when you look at the rest of this list, he's better than almost any of them. If you want to spend some money on a wide receiver, you have a much better chance of A.J. Green being good than a chance of you know Josh Doxson or Josh Bellamy being really good for the New York Jets. Do we really want to go in with Demarius Thomas, an injured player who has no skill left, or roll the dice with an A.J. Green? I'd rather roll the dice with A.J. Green, 
but I just think that he's probably going to get overpaid. So I would probably steer clear of him. Emmanuel Sanders, he could potentially be a perfect stopgap wide receiver for two years. He's going to come in, find perfect repertoire, Sam. He's going to run the right routes. He's going to get open. He's going to work well with him because he's a veteran, and he still has plenty left in the tank. You saw it last year. You saw it with the 49ers when he went over there, what he could do. And he's a player I'd look at. Yes, it's not super exciting. But you know what? The Jets are going to draft a wide receiver or two this year. I'm almost sure of it. And wide receivers are one of those positions that just are not that good rookie year. It takes one to two full years to develop a wide receiver into, you know, an adequate starting number one or two wide receiver. So you could either put a guy out there that's not ready and watch him flounder for a total of 500 yards, or you could have Emmanuel Sanders for two seasons, let this guy grow as the number three or four receiver, come in there on spot plays, and then eventually Sanders is gone. Sam Darnold's gained confidence, gotten better with a good receiver, and now he's got a young guy stepping up. That would be a perfect scenario. Now, if you don't want to do that, and you want to look for some other options, I want to look for young guys. And young guys, potentially the Jets could be looking at, none of these are going to be spicy names. These aren't going to be number one or number two receivers, probably. But these are guys that are available. And like I said, it's a thin group. So some names like Devin Funches, if you want a big target. Rashad Perriman, who's had a horrible career, but turned it on last year out of nowhere. Rashard Higgins of the Cleveland Browns. Looks like he may be the odd man out. He's got some upside. Tajay Sharp. I think he's been a pretty good receiver on a bad throwing team. He's got some upside and he's still young. Demarcus Robinson. We saw him make some plays at Kansas City. You just worry that maybe Patrick Mahomes is really freaking good and makes every receiver that plays there look good. But he's a guy that's available. Kendrick Bourne. He's a restricted free agent. It looks like the 49ers are probably going to try to retain him, but you actually saw he was the leading receiver in the Super Bowl in terms of yards for the 49ers, and he's actually a pretty good player. He's very young. He's a guy that I think could you know, come in to a committee of receivers and potentially play, kind of like the role that he had with the 49ers. He's good at that. Other than that, if we are striking out, we're going to look to the draft. We're going to look to guys on our roster. Josh Doxson, Joshua Bellamy, and Quincy Nunwa. Now, we don't need to make that money right now, we still have all the preseason training camps and all that. We get to build a 90-man roster. The salary cap doesn't actually have to be completely figured out. So it probably doesn't make too much sense to cut like a Josh Doxson or Joshua Bellamy to save 800000 to a $1 million for a player. Right now, just bring in more guys. Bring them to camp. Let's see what happens. And then odd men out. You cut them. You make that money back. That's kind of how you uh, clear that up. So that's our, our weapons. That's our quarterback, our running back, our wide receiver. We're going to skip the tight end position because I think that position is set. I think there's no reason to spend more money there. We have three guys under contract right now. Chris Herndon, who should be the number one. Ryan Griffin, who earned another contract and has proven that when he has to, he can play number one wider, uh, number one tight end and actually do pretty well with Sam Darnold. He'll be much better at that number two tight end position. Number three, we drafted or we uh, re-signed Daniel Brown who's nothing to write home about, but it's the number three tight end. He had a couple nice plays last year. He clearly has a, a little bit of favor with the coaching staff. So we got three guys right there. And if you want to carry four tight ends, guess who's still on the roster? Last year's draft pick, Trevon Wesco. And maybe the guy that was once referred to as Baby Gronk. Maybe he can start to develop a little bit, become a good blocker, start to play a little bit more of a role in the receiving game. So you have options there, but there's no reason to be looking to spend any money on a number five, a number six tight end. To me, that's just silly. So we're only looking at those. 
quarterback, running back, and wide receiver for the skill positions of the New York Jets. Now we got to move to the position everybody's been waiting for. For the first time that I can remember, it feels like all of Jets Nation is in agreement on one thing. We want an offensive line. What? I never thought that I'd say the words, that all of Jets Nation wants an offensive line. The least spicy, the least fun position you can possibly think of. A bunch of hogs in the trenches that you're never going to notice until they make a, a penalty. But everybody's here and they're just like, we want an offensive line. We need one. Two reasons. One, we sucked last year and we want to get a better offensive line for sure. It definitely helps the offense. But two, everybody believes in our weapons so much. Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold. We've got two potentially elite players there that aren't given the justice they deserve by having a good front to make holes for them or to keep them upright. And everybody's sick and tired of it. It's been a position that's been neglected for years. We haven't drafted that with high positional value in years. We've been bringing in these Band-Aid players to do a bad job. We've held on to guys like Brian Winters and, and Brent Quayle and Ijelana for so long. And it's just been like, what are we even doing here? We bring in, it's a mess. And at this point right now, you're going to be absolutely shocked to find out who we have under contract. We're going to start with tackle. We don't have Brandon Shell anymore. We don't have Kelvin Beecham. Those were our two starting tackles. Chuma Adoga was drafted last year. He is under contract, so he's a guy that we do have, but he's been a swing tackle, not really sure which position he plays, very raw, and is not capable of starting at an elite level at this point in his career. Probably leads, needs a little bit more time to develop. Even Tom Compton backup tackle is not on the roster. So that leaves us with an opening, a wide, gaping opening at one and two tackle. Even if you wanted to slide Chuma Odoga into the starting lineup, you still need, you don't even have a guy on the roster that can play tackle. Connor McDermott's on the roster. Perhaps they retain him for backup, but I took him as a guy not going to be here when it's all said and done. So probably just Chuma Odoga. Let's look at tackles. Now, I will say, everybody's projecting the New York Jets draft a tackle. There are four really, really good ones that are going to be available in this year's draft. The Jets pick number 11. Very possible we get one of the four. And so it could potentially sure up one of those spots. But that's not a guaranteed thing. It's not guaranteed these players are going to be healthy, ready to play. They're going to be good right away. You'd like to have at least some competition there. So let's see what we got available. Number one guy I really want, Jack Conklin. He is, for the Tennessee Titans, an absolute bruiser. He's not the greatest pass blocker in the world, but he is the greatest run blocker in the world. I mean, he's really, really good. He is an elite run blocking right tackle. And if the New York Jets can get him, you know, a B-minus pass blocker, A-plus run blocker, make some holes for Le'Veon Bell, I am perfectly fine with that. I would love it. He's one of the guys that I want most in this entire free agency. The problem is, I'm sure a lot of other teams do, not a lot of tackles available this year. Not a lot of young guys, and Conklin's young. So he's probably going to demand 17 to $18 million a year. That's a huge contract that if he doesn't play well and gets injured again like he has in the past, could cripple your team for many years, potentially. It's one of those things that, like, you're just, you know, a true main Johnson contract that's just like, oh, my God, it could become that. So you have to be a little cautious there, but he is elite, and I'd love to have him. If you're looking for a stopgap Band-Aid player, a lot of people are looking at Jason Peters. You can't blame him. The guy's like 37 plus years old. Old as shit. But he's still playing really well. And he's a really good player. 
He's been good for his entire career. A veteran knows what he's going to do. He has a steep decline coming somewhere in the near future, and it very well could be this year. You don't want to overpay a guy like that. You know it's only going to be a one- or two-year deal. But if you have to find a guy, you don't have anybody there. I think you have a better chance with Jason Peters playing coming off of a season he's played than like a Ryan Khalil who got $8 million last year to come off the couch and hadn't played. So he's a guy that you could look at as a Band-Aid. Brian Bulaga of the Packers. Anthony Costanzo of the Colts. These guys are a little older, but if you're looking for somebody who has proven they can do it at a good level, both of those guys. And another guy that I think is pretty, you know, not top tier, but like definitely worth a look, Kelvin Beecham. Not under contract for the New York Jets, but he's actually a solid tackle. And I was upset with him last year. I didn't think he played great. The whole offensive line played horribly. But when you look at the rest of the tackles the Jets could possibly get, Kelvin Beecham is way better than a lot of them. And he's a guy that I'd be willing to bring back. Team-friendly deal, hopefully. That's always in favor of bringing back your own players as well. So I'd look at that for sure. And then if you can't get any of those guys, or maybe you grab one and you want to get a couple more, some names I'd be looking at. Justin Murray, who's an exclusive rights free agent for Arizona. Matt Filer, a restricted free agent from Pittsburgh. You could give offers to those players, see if you could pull one. Brandon Shell. Possibly could he come back if you need some depth player or something. Not ideal. And Connor McDermott is currently under contract. I mean, could he be the guy that you bring in there? You have to make a move here. If Jack Conklin goes, you're going to be in a tough spot. You're going to be looking at stopgaps or Kelvin Beecham. It's basically where you're going to be. Or you're going to have potentially a worse offensive line than last year. You're going to be putting a lot on Chuma Adoga's play and then basically say, we have to draft a rookie. You can't be in that position. So something's got to give there. We're probably going to way overpay. So if you see a huge deal for an offensive tackle that you don't love for the New York Jets, even if it's like Kelvin Beecham is getting way overpaid and you're like, what? This doesn't make... It's because we have to. We don't have options there. So unfortunately, like I said, the O-line's been neglected for way too long. Now a position that we have a little bit more wiggle room with is guard. Currently under contract, we have Brian Winters. I think he's going to be the right guard. The New York Jets are probably going to ask him for a pay cut, which makes sense. I'd be happy to give him a pay cut. He's currently slated to make about $7.2 million. If he wants to take $2 million less, make five, that'd be great. Free up some space for everybody else. The other option is cutting him, which is fine, but then you have no guards on the roster, and then you absolutely have to sign, you know, three of them, which makes things a little difficult. If you keep Brian Winters, you could be looking at guys like Graham Glasgow. He's my number one interior offensive lineman target. Graham Glasgow for the Detroit Lions is not only really good and gotten better over the years, but he's versatile and can play any interior offensive line position. And if he has to, he can play center, left guard, or right guard. So he's a guy that really you can't miss on. You're going to be bringing him in, and he's going to find a place on that lineup. Brandon Scherf, big-name guy, like Jack Conklin, is going to be demanding a lot of money. Coming off an injury, but the guy is pretty elite at left guard. Potentially could be looking at him. Joe Tooney from the New England Patriots, a name that a lot of people like. He's gotten better every single year. The only thing that worries me is with Dante Starnecchio, the offensive line coach for the Patriots, an absolute legend. The players over there always seem to play better for the Patriots than they do with the teams they play with when they leave. So, you know, the way the Patriots play is basically Tom Brady's going to stand where he's going to stand. The offensive lineman, you're going to give up one or two steps. He's going to be in that pocket. You don't even have to turn your head to figure out where he is. He's not rolling out. You don't have to change your block. Just make sure he doesn't get to this specific point. It's easier than doing it for Sam Darnold, too. You're blocking, but all of a sudden Sam Darnold runs to the left, and you're like, okay, you're not squared up on a guy anymore because the guy's trying to slide to the side to get to Sam. It's harder to do that. 
So Joe Tooney worries me a little bit, but he is a high-level guard. Other guys we could be looking at, Greg Van Roten from Carolina. He's young, talented. Quentin Spain from Buffalo. Michael Schofield from the Chargers. Andres Pete, a guy that's been, you know, a high draft pick. He's been injured, never really lived up to the potential for the New Orleans Saints. Looks like he may be walking. He's still young and has upside. He's a guy I wouldn't mind trying a flyer on. And then, what if we resign Alex Lewis? Alex Lewis was a guy that filled in nicely for the Jets last year. And no, he's not going to be great, but he can play starter when he has to. And he's an awesome backup. Keep in mind, we got Brian Winters there. We still need a starter and a backup. Alex Lewis would be a perfect backup. In my perfect world, it's Graham Glasgow and Alex Lewis with Brian Winters at right guard on a reduced paycheck. And bang, that's what we got there. Graham Glasgow, probably going to get like $10 million. Alex Lewis, I don't know, maybe in $3 million range. Jack Conklin, in my ideal world, he's the right tackle, making, you know, $17 million a year. And then draft pick at left tackle, risky, but very possible. That's kind of like my dream world right now for offensive line. Very important. Everybody wants an offensive line. Build the wall for Sam Darnold, and let's watch this kid go to work. Last position we need, center. Center of the New York Jets only have one under under, uh, contract, Jonathan Harrison. And if you don't remember last year when Jonathan Harrison there, this was an absolute need, and everybody said we have to get Matt Paradis or Mitch Morse. We didn't get either one. We went in with Jonathan Harrison. We were pissed. We We signed Ryan Khalil out of retirement to play for $8 million, we were super excited about that. Like, oh my God, it's not Jonathan Harrison. Thank God. And then Khalil sucked. Ended up being Jonathan Harrison again at the end of the year. Now Jonathan Harrison still the only center under contract. So is it going to be that same year again? Potentially we can draft a guy. But if not, let's be looking at Connor McGovern from the Denver Broncos. My number one center target in this free agency. Connor McGovern is young, very good center. He's probably going to demand a decent amount of money. But center is not a highly paid position, typically. No fault of theirs, just it's not as valued as other offensive line positions. So Connor McGovern, if you can grab him for $7 million, something like that, I would be very happy to have him. You could take an older guy like A.Q. Shipley from Arizona, who's 34, but a veteran and can play the position well. Or a younger guy like Matt Skura from Baltimore, who's also really good and a free agent. Not quite as good as Connor McGovern, in my opinion, but a good fallback option. And then number four, you know, Steven Wisniewski, who the Jets have had opportunity to sign in free agency before. I wasn't stoked on it those years. He's back in free agency again. Still not stoked on it, but he played all right for Kansas City last year. And when you're talking about Jonathan Harrison playing that position and not having a starter or backup, depending on where Jonathan Harrison plays, like, you have to find some talent to bring in there. I don't want to be in another position where it's like, we've just had so many bad centers since Nick Mangold left. It's been horrible. I don't want to deal with Wesley Johnson and Spencer Long and Jonathan Harrison and Ryan Khalil. I don't want to deal with that shit anymore. I want to have a nice center. Connor McGovern, he's the guy. Hopefully. All right, so that's offense. Essentially what we found out is we need a backup quarterback. We need some extra bodies in the running game. We don't have really any receivers except for Jameson Crowder that we trust right now, but it's a deep draft. And offensive line, all we've really got right now is Jonathan Harrison and Brian Winters. So we got to look at those tackle positions. We got to look at guard. And offensive line is clearly a position that needs to be addressed first and foremost out of anything on this entire team. Offensive line. Draft, free agency, both of them. We need four or five competent players there. 
You have to have good backups too. Oh, I forgot uh, Chuma Adoga's on the roster as well. So it's Winners, Chuma Adoga, and Jonathan Harrison. You need to have eight offensive linemen on a roster, at least seven. And they can't be garbage. We had that last year and it sucked. So that's what to take away from this offense. We're going to do defense next. But before that, going to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That's right, folks. We are going to do what's on tap. The segment where I talk about the beer that I'm currently drinking. I'm going to move quickly through this because I'm in the football mode. And I don't want to lose my stride here. I'm feeling pretty good uh, partially from this beer. We're going to fire through. I'm drinking what is called a Lost Palette by Goose Island. This is something I've been drinking a lot of recently. One main reason, it's... $14.99 $14.99 for a 15-pack. So you're talking a dollar a beer. Right away, you're intrigued. Now I want to tell you it's 6.2% alcohol, and it's an IPA. You're like, well, all right. This is like the type of thing that I could have. Easy drinker. This thing is kind of sweet. It's cinnamon and mango on an IPA. But at 6.2%, it's smooth. And the thing about it is that I think it's called Lost Palette for a reason because it's, it's weird when you drink it. Like, it tastes a little cinnamony, a little mango, kind of sweet for an IPA. But then all of a sudden, the flavor is just gone, and your palate's just empty. It doesn't have that lasting taste. doesn't have that flavor that just sits on your tongue. Gone. Lost palate. I mean, it makes this thing so easy to just take another sip and then another sip. I crush these suckers. And for a dollar, that's probably pretty awesome. Um, I don't know how many calories are in it. It's probably, I probably don't even want to know. But, uh, yeah, if you're looking for an inexpensive, pretty popular now, easy drinker with uh, some decent alcohol percentage to it, Lost Palette by Goose Island, actually not that bad. The only thing I'll say is it is a little sweet. Cinnamony, mangoey, subtle flavors of that, but you can pound these suckers. So, uh, yeah, a hazy IPA with mango and cinnamon, they call it, which is, I just said that. So, thank you, Goose Island, a wonderful beer. I guess we have to do a quick commercial. All right, folks, let's take it back to the free agents and look at the defensive side of the ball, which actually is not quite as glaring of a need as the offensive side of the ball. So that's good. I look at defensive tackle first, and I see a position that's already set. I see Quinn and Williams, Foley Fadakasi, Steve McClendon. I'll tell you right now, Quinn and Williams is missing zero games this year. He will not be missing any time. I don't know this for a fact but I believe it in my heart of hearts. Foley Fadakasi was coming on at the end of last year. Steve McClendon got a contract extension in the offseason. It's very possible they cut him to save space, but I think he's still a serviceable player at this point and a really good locker room presence. I wouldn't be surprised to see that three as your unit for defensive tackle. Defensive end, you got Henry Anderson under contract, Kyle Phillips, and Nathan Shepard. Henry Anderson, a guy that had a really good 2018. We signed him to a better contract. Didn't have a great 2019, but we can expect him to bounce back, hopefully. Kyle Phillips, an undrafted free agent, was a very, very nice surprise last year. He played good minutes. He got after the quarterback. He made nice plays. And he's a guy that you're happy to have in your defensive end rotation. Nathan Shepard, draft pick from 2018. Mike McCagnan, you thought he was an absolute bust. He played horribly. He got suspended for the beginning of last season. But he started coming on late, got a couple sacks, made a little bit of noise. And he's a guy that if you're saying a depth, you know, rotational defensive lineman, potentially not that bad. I will, you know, I'll keep him. I'll keep him as a backup, and he's super young, super cheap. 
Let's let him try. He's not super young because we drafted him super old, but he's cheap and he's youngish, still developing. Other options that we'd have, Jordan Willis if we need another backup, Bronson Kafusi. I think that that unit, at least with Henry Anderson, Kyle Phillips, and Nathan Shepard in a unit, potentially with Jordan Willis, I think that set is done too. I mean, we need an edge rusher. We need somebody to get after the quarterback, but I'm going to look at that as kind of like an edge outside linebacker position and say that we can keep with this unit that we have. If we're running a 3-4, you know, we don't even need that many guys to begin with. Last year, we kept eight defensive linemen. Um, I have six here. I think that we find another undrafted free agent. Maybe we bring back Jordan Willis or one of the other guys, but essentially, I'm not going to focus on those two positions. Don't think we should spend a bunch of money there. Where I do think we should spend a bunch of money, or at least some money, is outside linebacker. Now, this position last year was manned by Jordan Jenkins, Terrell Basham, Brandon Copeland, Frankie Luvu, and Harvey Lange. We do not anymore have Frankie Luvu, Jordan Jenkins, or Brandon Copeland. We do potentially have Harvey Lange under contract, but we might not want him back. The only guy that's there is Terrell Basham. Terrell Basham is young and had a good, solid season last year. I'd be very happy to keep him on the roster. I think he deserves a spot on this team, and he's under contract, so that takes away one spot. But we want three competent outside linebackers slash edge rushers that can set the edge and get after the quarterback. Combo of both, not just one. You can have some role players. You can have a guy that's strictly good at getting after the quarterback if you have a guy that's good at setting the edge. Jordan Jenkins is actually pretty good at both, and he's a guy that I'd really like to re-sign. He's a really good player. He's been really good for the New York Jets, a homegrown guy from Georgia. Let's get him back here. He's always been a good teammate, and uh, he led the team in sacks last year. He's been on that list for the New York Jets for a while now. We haven't had a great pass rusher, but you don't necessarily have to have a guy get 15-plus sacks for your team. What you need to have is 40 sacks as a unit. The New York Jets had 34 sacks last year. It's almost more valuable to have 40 sacks coming from, you know, seven different guys combined. Everybody gets six sacks than it is to have 15 or 16 sacks come from one guy and then everybody else gets three. When you have a guy like, you know, say Von Miller getting a majority of the sacks, you really watch him. Okay. And sure, these players are so good, they're hard to stop, but you can somewhat game plan. And bad teams like the Jets in the past would not be able to game plan against that. A team like the New England Patriots that's really good would be able to game plan against that. And those are the teams that you have to beat. And those are the players that you have to see come alive in the playoffs if the Jets can make it there. So you don't have to overspend for 15-plus sacks. If you want to, there are some players. Jadavian Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe, Jack Barrett, Bud Dupree. Those are guys you could look at right away. They're all going to be very expensive players. Those are going to be 13-plus million dollars. Jadavian Clowney could be like $20 million. Yannick Ngakwe could be close to that. Shaq Barrett's probably getting franchise tagged. Bud Dupree, not entirely sure, right? After that, you got guys like Jordan Jenkins, who I'd love to have back. Could he send a team-friendly, you know, we drafted him. Could we get a team-friendly deal for Jordan Jenkins and keep him on the roster? That sets one spot. And we'd have one more we'd need. And there, I would take a situational, true, dedicated pass rusher. Get me a guy like Marcus Golden or Kyler Fackrell. Marcus Golden had 10 sacks with the Giants last year. You know, he's not a huge name, but he's been pretty good around this league for a while, and he signed a a very cheap one-year deal for the Giants last year. Maybe he would sign a somewhat inexpensive deal this year. Hard to say where his value is after a one-year prove-it deal with 10 sacks for the New York Giants. Still kind of a situational player. Um, If you wanted to go like a defensive end hybrid kind of guy to get after the quarterback, JPP 
is a good player. He does always find a way to get after the quarterback, regardless of how many hands he has. But still, he gets injured like every single season. And how much do you really want to put in a basket like that? I think he's worth a look. Just not a huge contract. You could be looking at a guy like Michael Kendricks from Seattle. Dante Fowler Jr. I roll my eyes when I say his name because it seems like he's a target for the New York Jets every single year, regardless of if he's under contract or not. He's a guy that always underperforms, has had like one good season his entire career. And how could you look at a guy like Dante Fowler, who's super inconsistent, bounced around teams, and want him for $10 million and not want Jordan Jenkins, who's been consistently getting slightly better every single year, a great team player, playing for the New York Jets, and would cost $3 million less? It makes no sense to me. So I will take Jordan Jenkins 10 times out of 10 there. Keep Dante Fowler Jr. off this team, but obviously still take a look at him if he's cheap enough, right? Um, Everybody's got, I want to say this, everybody has a price. Do I want Brandon Copeland back as the New York Jets outside linebacker? No, but if he said he could play for the New York Jets for $1, I'd be like, well, that saves us like $700,000 for somebody else. Maybe it's worth having him for a dollar. So everybody's got a price. JPP, worth looking at if the price is right. Same with Dante Fowler. Bunch of guys in this list. Um, Kyler Fackrell, dedicated pass rusher. I said Jamie Collins, kind of a do-it-all. He's had some ups and downs. Seems like he's really good when he plays for New England. Bad when he plays elsewhere. I don't know how much I trust him, but he's a guy to look after. And then Brandon Copeland, bottom of the list. Another guy. Um, I would say we have to sign two guys, or at least have two new people on the roster when the season begins. Terrell Basham is one. I don't really see any other options for the New York Jets than bringing in two new people could potentially be a re-sign, but it's not internal already under contract. Joe Douglas has to make a move to get that position filled out. Inside linebacker, we got CJ Mosley. He's going to be back, hopefully healthy. If he is, he's elite. He's making a huge contract. He's there. Avery Williamson injured in preseason last year, missed the entire season, but he's a great tackler. Great run stopper, and I really want to have him back on this team. A lot of people want to cut him, save that $7 million, say that inside linebacker is not that important. I beg to differ. I think that he's a guy that's just a good player, and I want to have him there. We never got to see really either of them play last year. Imagine having C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson. We were operating in a Greg Williams defense that like accentuates the middle linebacker with sixth-string middle linebackers, and it still looked kind of impressive. Imagine what Avery Williamson a can't-miss tackler, and C.J. Mosley, a beast playmaker, could do on the field together. I kind of want to give it that chance. But um, behind them, we got Blake Cashman, who was a rookie last year, has had injury concerns in his career. He had some ups and downs. He's quick, can't cover great yet, not a great tackler. He's a developmental player that I like to have on the bench, but you need one more guy. I say bring back either one of Burgess or Neville Hewitt. Easy enough, cheap, that's fine. Inside linebacker, done. So far, all we really needed was an outside linebacker or two, two specifically. Now it gets to where we really need a player, and that is corner back. You heard the news. Trumaine Johnson cut after signing a horrendous five-year, $72 million deal. The guy plays 17 games, gets benched, sucks, gets injured. Ugh, I mean, we cut him. You know, $15 million cap hit on this guy. We cut him. We saved $2 million. He's still getting paid a fortune from the New York Jets. You know, he's going to have a heck of a life ahead of him. Good for him. He's got unlimited money and nothing to do now. Maybe he'll sign another contract with another team. He's not worth much at this point. The New York Jets would rather have $2 million than Trumaine Johnson back on the roster. That's pretty horrible for him. That's a low. 
and uh <laughs> you know i i was actually at the camp like i wasn't entirely sure because i knew we'd save two million dollars for cutting Truman johnson it's like he's worth maybe about two million dollars is it worth having the body and have him play because two million dollars is like a backup cornerback maybe your number five guy you definitely can't have him on the roster as just a number one guy or number two guy which is what we tried to do round peg square hole didn't work Truman johnson the reuniting with greg williams was an absolute failure that guy was a bust good riddance one of the worst contract he I'm going to say I was absolutely wrong. I was excited when we signed him. I said, we needed a cornerback, and I was into it that year. And we signed Truman Johnson. I said, well, he's basically the best cornerback on the market, and we got him locked up five years. How lucky are we? We don't have to worry about cornerback for five years. What an idiot I was. I could take a breath. He's he's working me up here. Um, Truman Johnson is gone. So who do we have at cornerback? Well, our best nickel cornerback, Brian Poole, is also gone. Solid players from last year. Maurice Kennedy, Arthur Marlette, gone. All we really have there, LaShawn Austin, Daryl Roberts, Nate Hairston. Okay. LaShawn Austin injured for most of last year. You can talk all you want about how excited you are about LaShawn Austin. I'm excited about him too, sure. But this guy never plays. And when he does, he's just... It's a position where Arthur Marlette looked serviceable last year. And Maurice Kennedy looked serviceable last year. And Greg Williams hit it. He hid the cornerback deficiencies all season long. And some players looked bad. But Sean Austin came in, played minimal games, looked good. He's got definite upside, and I'm excited about it. But I'm not going into the season with that guy as my number one or number two cornerback. I'm not convinced this guy can even play in the NFL. And if you are after four games, good for you. I'm usually optimistic. I usually believe in stuff like that as well. But after being injured for that long, drafted as a late pick, coming in, playing a few games on a defense that covered up cornerback deficiencies all year long, and he looked pretty good. I'm not going to say I'm ready to forget that position. I think this is a glaring need for the New York Jets at cornerback. I think we need a number one. I think we need a number two. And I think we need a nickel. I think Daryl Roberts has proven he shouldn't be a starter, and he should be on the bench as your number four cornerback. I also think that Daryl Roberts at this point has proven that he's probably more consistent at this stage than Blashawn Austin. So I'd put LaShawn Austin as my number five cornerback. Nate Hairston, he's your number six. Now, LaShawn Austin will have plenty of opportunities to prove me wrong and be an elite player, number one, number two cornerback by the end of the year. If he plays amazing, he's going to get there. Don't you worry. But right now, going into the season, I'm not going to just crown him there. So the good news for the New York Jets is this is a very deep cornerback free agent class. The draft is okay. There are some good players in the first round, and there are some really good middle rounders available as well, but not necessarily a day one starter that the New York Jets are going to be grabbing there. So we probably need to grab two cornerbacks, maybe three. Brian Poole, a guy I want to bring back right away. I want Brian Poole. He was a great nickel cornerback, one of the better at the position last year. We gave him a cheap one-year prove-it deal, and boy, did he prove it. He's going to ask for a little more now, but hopefully he wants to play with guys like Marcus May and Jamal Adams. They have infectious personalities, Jamal Adams specifically. And hopefully Brian Poole's like, this is a fun unit with Greg Williams. I want to be back. And maybe he takes a deal for $6 million. I think that would be pretty nice for the New York Jets. Then looking outside, if you don't want to put Daryl Roberts there, which I don't, and you don't trust Blashawn Austin to line up their healthy week one, which I don't, you got to look at some other names. And being such a deep free agent class, it's possible the price will be driven down a little bit. Supply and demand. The supply is there. The demand is a little bit lower. 
because you don't have to go for it's not Jack Conklin or bust it's a list of 15 guys that you'd be happy to have as an outside one or two cornerback let's start Byron Jones my number one prospect in all of free agency I've been a huge fan of Byron Jones for years I'm a Connecticut guy he went to UConn he was amazing there he came to the NFL played for the Cowboys very well he's been a ripped machine of a man that can just play one-on-one strong aggressive man defense he's a free agent still young enough I want Byron Jones partially biased because he's one of my favorite players coming out of college partially just because he's the best cornerback available in free agency and he's probably going to demand a lot of money but I think it's worth it and some people are in the camp of you don't need good cornerbacks you just need a good pass rush some people are in well you don't really need a good pass you know what I'm in the cornerback route I'd rather have cornerbacks and a committee of guys that can get to the quarterback. You can't have neither. You can't have no cornerbacks and a great pass rush or a great pass rush or a great cornerback group and no pass rush. You have to have a good balanced team to be successful. But if I want to spend some money, I want it to be on cornerbacks, even though the Jets have struck out in recent years. So other guys I'd look at, James Bradbury. Probably going to get a big contract, good and young. Kendall Fuller, same deal. Did he got... A more inconsistent young player that has shown some upside, Trey Waynes. You've got Ronald Darby, who's bounced around a little bit, but he's shown he can play. If you want to go for a veteran, you got Chris Harris, Jimmy Smith, Logan Ryan. Other guys available, Bradley Roby, Daryl Worley, Mackenzie Alexander, young guy from the Vikings. I mean, that's a bunch of guys you can go after. And honestly, Greg Williams did all right with Maurice Kennedy and Arthur Marlette last year. It's possible you could bring one of them back. And then you could look to the draft. So I think grab a guy from that list, one of those Byron Jones, Bradbury, Fuller, Waynes, Darby, Logan Ryan. I think if you can bring one of those guys in, you know, I don't want some crippling deal. Everybody's going to be really nervous signing anything to a cornerback after the Trumaine Johnson thing. But we got to lick our wounds, move on, and bring a guy in to play that. And... We, I don't know. It was just such a position of need last year. We talked about it so frequently, how cornerbacks, we don't have any cornerbacks. And everybody, oh, we got Daryl Roberts shouldn't be there. And Trumaine Johnson's horrible. And, you know, why was everybody so up in arms? Because we didn't like the group of cornerbacks we had. And now all of a sudden it seems like there's good cornerbacks available in free agency. The New York Jets have a ton of holes and needs there. And all anybody's talking about is just, let's bring back Brian Poole. And then we're set. It's like, what are we, that we're going to go right back to where we were, which, yes, we hit it well. But the point is to be better than last year, not be the same as last year, not be worse than last year. So I want to get a guy in there, makes Greg Williams proud, takes a load off his shoulders and says, guard that receiver, I'm going to be all right. Byron Jones is my guy. Then the last defensive position we have to look at is safety. And the New York Jets have two safeties, Jamal Adams and Marcus May. But we do have a pretty important backup safety position. This is a position that usually plays a fair amount, not only on special teams, but also in the defensive scheme for Greg Williams. In the past, we've had Rontez Miles as the guy that does it most frequently, but as Marcus May has gotten injured in the past, we've seen Daryl Roberts fill in, some other players go to that spot. We need a backup safety because we don't have Rontez Miles under contract. And you know what? I liked Matthias Farley last year, and I talked about it a lot. I said, this is a really good signing. He's going to be a good player for the Jets. But he hardly touched the field last year as a backup safety. And when he did, he made look the fool, got a touchdown scored on him. And I'm not completely sold that Greg Williams believes in Matthias Farley. And personally, it made me kind of not believe in Matthias Farley. So a backup safety, something that we could definitely look at. 
thing about this position is safety is like the most it's weird because you've got a couple elite safeties which are very very important eddie jackson great jamal adams great derwin james amazing you know these guys great to have but then when it comes to like the bench guys and like just serviceable starters there are so many available safeties if you look at the list it's like we don't have to overpay for any of them this is a backup safety and there's like an unlimited supply of free agents that can start in the nfl that you don't have to break the bank on this position at all. But I wouldn't mind getting another kind of chess piece option in there that definitely wouldn't cost too much because there's so many of them. Guys like, you know, Trey Boston, Gathers, Jonathan Cyprian, Clinton Dix. I think there are some players the Jets could look at. Um, the list goes on and on. It's nothing to worry about too much. The Jets will find a backup safety. It just is a position that Joe, um, Joe Douglas is going to have to sit back and say, all right, who's going to be number three safety? pick up the phone, sign a contract. He's going to have to do that and pick one of these guys. So we'll be monitoring that as well. And then uh, really the next step would be to talk about special teams. But before I do that, I do want to do one of the fan favorite sections, Father Time. My dad, David Burnham, was nice enough to send me a free agency edition Father Time with his opinions, thoughts on the New York Jets and... Uh, you know, he sent it in an email, so there's only so much he could say. If we talked on the phone, we'd be talking for two, three hours. Unlimited thoughts, unlimited opinions. But, uh, you know, for the sake of time and everything and being able to write it, we've got an expedited version of it. I want to read this week's Father Time, written by David Burnham. And action. There are three pressing needs, in my opinion. Offensive line, cornerback, and wide receiver. Edge rusher is tier two looking at the offensive line jonathan harrison he's signed to a two-year deal through 2021 he can start in a pinch however his role should be considered o-line depth re-sign alex lewis he will be relatively cheap and can start in a pinch as well his assumed role also is o-line depth winners is going to be restructured to lower pay i believe and will be the 2020 starting guard chuma is a possible starter also a possible backup. We'll see how free agency in the draft shake out. Free agent hopefuls. Jack Conklin. He's expensive but good. Maybe $15 million a year. But if we grab a left tackle in the draft and an interior lineman, we'll be off to an excellent rebuild. Number two, Graham Glasgow. He's above average, but he's versatile at guard and he can play center. Number three, Calvin Beecham. One year, $10 million. He's an average starter, and he's great depth. You never know how a rookie left tackle will play as he adjusts to the NFL. There are a couple others that would be good. Tooney and McGovern are a couple. We can have a very good offensive line in 2020. Now for cornerback. I see possibilities, but let's bring back Brian Poole. He earned it and is very good. Slot done. Will he play for six mil a year? Three years? We need one of these guys. Byron Jones. He'll be $15 million plus. From UConn, and expensive, but a guy that we like. James Bradbury from the Panthers, 26 years old. He's a little inconsistent, but covered number one receivers in the NFC South. There are good number ones in the NFC South. Go a tier down. Bradley Roby, Kendall Fuller. Not as good, but solid starters. Wide receiver? I don't love the free agent wideouts, but I love the wide receiver draft. We can consider Demarcus Robinson... 25 years old, stuck behind Kansas City receivers, or Robbie Anderson. I am not his biggest fan, but I would welcome him back. 
Maybe he'll get deep with our new O-line. Stay tuned for our new draft picks at all of the above positions in the NFL Draft in April. As always, I'm optimistic. Go Jets. End scene. All right, so just looking into that, I mean, right away, we are on the same page with a few things. I mean, a lot of this. Offensive line, Jack Conklin, Graham Glasgow, Kelvin Beecham, right on the same page. Brian Poole, right away, same page. Byron Jones, boom, there we are. We differ a little bit on some price tags for these guys. He thinks Kelvin Beecham's going to get $10 million. It's possible. Um, he's not as into James Bradbury as I am, but he's absolutely right. There are great and uh, great wide receiver ones in the NFC South. You're essentially talking about two games a year playing against Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and either Mike Evans or um, Chris Godwin. So that's, you know, pretty impressive in itself. He's got some backup guys, um, Kendall Fuller and... Bradley Roby. I'm not as big on Bradley Roby. I am big on Kendall Fuller. I think Kendall Fuller is maybe a tier one type of guy that I'd love to have. I think he'd be a solid starter. Um, maybe a little, a little better than that. Bradley Roby, I think that he's a guy at the bottom of my list, but I like it. Looking at wide receivers, Demarcus Robinson, not a guy that stood out to me at all. Um, but like he said, it's hard to tell. Perhaps he was stuck behind great Kansas City wide receivers. I mean, he doesn't get as much opportunity there because there's so many receivers ahead of him. But at the same time, like when he does get opportunities, is it kind of advanced because Patrick Mahomes is throwing to him, so it makes him look a little better? It's hard to say which side it is. Because my dad's a little bit more in the camp that it's possible he's really good, just hasn't gotten the chance to shine. Which, if that's the case, I'd be more than happy to sign him. I just have a lot of guys that potentially I would grab before him. And he's not the biggest fan of Robbie. I am the biggest fan of Robbie. I think Robbie's hilarious. I think that he's a pretty good guy overall. He's had a couple stupid things that he's done, but he likes the New York Jets. He's like, he's just this doofy. He's our, he's Robbie. He's Robbie. I love Robbie. I wrote him a poem for crying out loud. So I'd love to have him back. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, a really good father time. I like his ideas. I like the ideas of bringing back Alex Lewis, bringing back Kelvin Beecham for some depth. And uh and he's absolutely right. We got to stay focused to the draft because this is just phase one of the Joe Douglas master plan. Phase one, NFL free agency. We have roughly $75 million and about 16 pressing needs on this roster. What can we fill in and who can we bring? Phase two, the NFL draft. Amazing draft picks. Great opportunity. Young, youthful players playing for cheap. What holes can we fill? Phase 3, winning so many games, winning Super Bowl. That's it. It's a pretty simple plan. It's great free agency, great draft, play amazing games, win the Super Bowl. That's it. That's all he's got to do. He also has to focus on special teams. So thank you, Dad, for the father time. I loved it, as always. Hope everyone else did too. we got to talk about our specialists real quick. I'm going to start with Long Snapper because it's set. Tommy Hennessy coming back for another year with the New York Jets. Long snapper, superb. This guy takes care of that position. We can look at punter where we don't have one. Lachlan Edwards is the punter from last year. He is an unrestricted free agent. We could look at a guy like Britton Colquitt. We could look at a guy like Bosher. But other than that, there are not great punters available. Martin's available. Hack's available. Lachlan Edwards is the best guy to get. If we can lock him up for $2 million a year, maybe $3 million a year because the price tags go up a little bit as time goes on, Lachlan Edwards is a good punter. There are other teams that need punters that will look at him and try to get him from us. we got to fight away from him. 
we've had bad punters in the past. I don't want to go back to that. We finally got a guy. We drafted one late. He went in a battle with Tom Hackett to win the punter job. He won it. Locks our guy. Getting better as time goes on. He's still got some accuracy issues. He's not a guy that plants the ball inside the five-yard line very often, but he's gotten more consistent as time's gone on, and he's better than most of the free agent options out there, almost all of them. So I would be more than happy to bring Lachlan Edwards back. The other position is kicker. We had frickin' fickin' kickin' last year. Right now we've got Brett Maher under contract. You may remember him from the Dallas Cowboys. This guy is okay, but there are better options than him. To name a few, Kaimi Fairbairn had a great last year. Zane Gonzalez from Arizona, young, had a good last year. Other big names, Greg Zerline, Dan Bailey, Kai Forbath. There are kickers the New York Jets can get. You don't want to break the bank. Don't give a Jason Myers contract to a pro bowler who had one good season. But find a guy who can come in on the cheap that has some success and history of kicking in the NFL. Not a Ficken who's kicked for you know three games in the NFL. Not some guy from the XFL who's never had a big moment. Potentially, there is one guy that I'd like to draft named Rodrigo Blankenship from Georgia. I like the guy. He was 200 for 200 on extra points in college. Never once missed an extra point. So that's like crazy in itself. Not that extra points are difficult, but just that he's been that consistent at those. Never once had like a, whoops. Um, but other than that, you got to bring a kicker in. You don't really want to rely on a rookie kicker, to be honest, anyway. And it is one of those positions that you can just fill in in the middle of the year. But we know what it looks like. Sam Ficken missed some kicks for us. He wasn't he wasn't horrible, but he wasn't good. We saw Kari Vedvik. He was horrible. And we've had bad kickers in the past before. For a team that's known for good special teams, with everything he did, we did with... Um, Mike Westoff, and now what we're doing with Brant Boyer. I mean, we're known for having good special teams in the NFL, but we still have not had amazing kickers and punters. I guess Nick Folk was solid, folk hero for a short while. But, you know, it's time to get better specialists there. Lock Edwards, lock him up. One solid kicker without breaking the bank. And if you do those things, your team's going to be in pretty good position. I mean, we just went through every hole on the New York Jets and possibilities for them. We have a, a small list, and you can find different prospects. You may find different guys that you want for cornerback or wide receiver or whatever, which is completely fine. Every, there's no way to know what's going to be right. We're just, you know, making guesses right now. But we do know what positions are at least up for grabs right now. I'll recap them real quick. Quarterback, number two quarterback, number three potentially as well. When you go to running back, the number two and number three. Wide receiver, very possibly the number one, the number two, maybe even number six. Tackles, a left tackle and a right tackle, potentially both starters. Guards, other than Brian Winters, we got nothing. We need a left guard, we need backup guards, and if Brian Winters isn't there, we may even need a right guard. Center, we need a starter. We don't want Jonathan Harrison. We're pretty set at defensive tackle and defensive end, but outside linebacker needs some help. We need two of them. We need guys that can get after the passer. Terrell Basham's the only guy we really have there right now. We need some guys that can stop the run. Versatile players. We also need players that can get after the passer. Whether they're role players that do, do, that do two different jobs, or whether they're strong, balanced, every-down players, either one can work. Inside linebacker, just basically one fourth-string guy. Cornerback. We need some. Cornerback one, cornerback two, ideally. Safety, we could use a backup or two. We need a punter, and it's possible that we 
we need a kicker if we don't want Brett Maher kicking. So that gives us about 24 guys that we need. About 16 of those are pressing, at least pretty important. And uh, Joe Douglas has anywhere from 60 to $80 million and about seven draft picks and a measurable hope. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I mean, it's just, it's all kind of culminated to this. I mean, he got picked up as the Jets GM midseason. We didn't get to see him go to work. He tried to do a couple things on the roster, bringing in Alex Lewis, Demarius Thomas, Nate Hairston, Ryan Khalil. And you got to feel for like, all right, he's trying to make the roster. He's he's not afraid to make a trade. He's not afraid to trade late round picks, sixth and seventh round picks specifically. Um, So we'll watch for him to do that again. But we haven't gotten a feel for like what his master plan is. We've only seen a very small part of it unfold. And everybody thinks it's offensive line, and we think there are some weapons that he wants to get and focus on the offense. But until we see it happen, we have no idea. There's a long list of good players available in free agency. We've got the money. There's a long list of good players in the draft. We've got the draft capital. It's up to Joe Douglas now to put his stamp on this team, get us away from the Mike McCagden failure of this roster that was just built. You know, John Idzik... And Mike McCagnan just back-to-back building this horrible shitstorm of bad contracts and horrible draft picks and developmental players that just could never get any better. And now we have a chance to right the ship. And this is the first bit of it. And it starts in six days. Monday, 12 p.m. It's got to be, what, March 16th. That's the day. Be excited. Be ready for it. Be ready for just alert after alert of teams doing things. Start crossing guys off your list and start plugging people into those holes and the gaps that we created. We know where the holes are. We know the starters, potential starters that we have and the potential openings. So how is he going to fill them? He's got X amount of resources. And it's up to him to do the best job that he can. And if we saw anything last year, we know that basically every single player can get injured at the exact same time. So you have to have some good depth. It's not just about breaking the bank for one really good player here and one really good player there, it's about a good, balanced team. In reality, in my head, it's two elite contracts, $15 million or so. Three or four contracts that are in that like 7 to $10 million range, and then a bunch of two, $3 million players. And that basically gets you to a full, you know, a full $80 million. And if you have less than that, you may have to take a couple players less. It's not all built in one day, but we have to start making moves in the right direction. And we can't afford to have horrible contracts that we're just swallowing. Imagine if Trumaine Johnson's contract didn't exist. We'd have an extra $13 million to spend. That's another star player. That's what Le'Veon Bell's contract was, just to free him. I mean, it just it's very important, and it starts here for him. The tale of Joe Douglas begins now. So let's see what he does. That's basically all I've got for this podcast. It was a ton of information, a ton of names. If you have any questions, you want to talk about any of it, or you think I'm absolutely out of my mind for anything that I said, reach out to me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan. I am always happy to talk New York Jets. Even if you don't agree with me, perfectly fine. I'll have a nice cordial conversation, hear your side of you, and then tell you why you're wrong. No, I'll actually have a, a normal, nice, understanding conversation. But, uh, yeah, other than that... We're going to be monitoring free agency. I will be tweeting throughout the week at Jets underscore Dan going crazy as stuff is happening, posting uh, reactions to it all. And then when it's settled down in like uh, a few weeks, 
not exactly sure when. When it feels like not many more moves are happening and I've got a good gauge of what the New York Jets have done, I'm going to do a free agency review, go over the moves that we made, and then after that we're going to be looking at the draft preview and then a draft review, and then we're talking training camps, position battles, and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff on the docket. Um, we're basically getting right back into the thick of things again. I know it's only March. We're a long ways to watching live NFL football, but there's really some exciting stuff going on in the league. And uh, the other thing to keep note of is that CBA we mentioned early on. Let's see what happens with the vote there and make sure that everything moves smoothly and we're not stuck in some limbo of, like, how much money do we have and how many franchise tags should we be spending. And, yeah, a lot happening. Football is back, in a sense. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I had a great time. I look forward to being back. I can't wait to see what we do. Um, Yeah, freaking awesome. New York Jets free agency primer. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 